0: Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up, and His glory filled the temple. And in that vision, he saw the seraphim, each having six wings. And one of the seraphim called to the other and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And we are the proclaimers of the glory of God. And need to fall under the holiness of God. Living stones. Living stones that are built up as a spiritual house. Living stones that are to be a holy would, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Living stones. Don't you like these little living stones? Hi, Justin. Ron. Getting together and sharing and growing and ministering to each other. Being part of each other's lives. Learning about the wonder of God. And getting excited about what God is doing in their lives. Because God is holy. Take your Bibles, please. First Peter chapter 1. First Peter chapter 1. We are working on a couple of memory verses. These memory verses are found in our text this morning. I want to do the memory verses first and then we'll get to the text. And we are going to pull out of the text a truth about God that I trust will encourage us and help us to recognize our responsibility as we stand before God. You working on these verses? 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19. Let's read them together. Say them together by now. And then we will finish with the reference. Here we go. 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19 knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19. You know why that had to happen? That had to happen because God is holy. And none of us, would qualify to have a relationship with God were it not for the precious blood of Christ who was a lamb without blemish and without spot. And that was the criteria of the Old Testament offering, was it not? The atonement had to be made by lambs that were without blemish and without spot because of the holiness of God. Our text this morning, First Peter chapter 1. Let me begin with verse 13. We talked about verse 13 three weeks ago. And I'm going to read down through verse 21. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children... knowing that you are ransomed from your futile ways, inherited from your fathers not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ like a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Living stones, holy priesthood, spiritual sacrifices, acceptable to God. Now a number of months ago I gave you this outline for the book of First Peter. And First Peter can be outlined this way. Chapter 1, suffering proves our faith. Chapter 2, a testimony to be like Christ. Chapter 3, others are watching. Chapter 4, nothing else but God. Chapter 5, elders must serve God. And he ends it by saying, stand firm in these things. Chapter 1, suffering proves our faith. Now how does it prove our faith? It proves our faith because we have hope. Aren't you thankful for the hope that we have in Jesus Christ? If we have hope in this life only we are of men most miserable. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 we looked at that last week. But now is Christ risen. Risen from the dead we have hope. But not only are we to walk in that hope we're also to walk in holiness. That's our text today and next week and the following week. And then we are to walk in His hope word. And we'll get to that at the end of chapter 1. And all of that proves our faith. And even though we suffer, even though we go through it, there is no temptation taken us but such as is common to man. But God is what? Who will not suffer us to be tempted above that we are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Now we just answered part of this question. How do you complete This statement: God is. That's one way. How else? God is. God is awesome. God is faithful. God is holy. God is. God is alive. Amen. (laughs) How else do you complete that? I want you to take thirty seconds, and I want you to turn to the people around you. Don, you're going to have to get with somebody over here. All right, and I want you to complete that sentence in your mind. God is love. That's right. All right. Do it. 30 seconds. This is group participation. You only have 25 left. All right, you have God figured out yet? You never can figure Him out. You know, some of you may have started with God's being. And when you think about God's being, you think about God being a spirit, right? John 4, God is spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Maybe you thought about the Trinity. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, co-equal, co-eternal, co-powerful. That is one way to describe God, His being. Maybe you thought about the names of God. You know the names of God help us understand something about God. There are three primary names that we have in the Bible that tell us about God. The first one is Jehovah. If you look in your Bibles and you find the word Lord that is written in all capitals, Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. That is the word Jehovah in your Bibles. And it tells us something about God. It tells us that God is indeed the self-existent one. Maybe you would see the word Elohim. God in the Old Testament most of the time is a translation of the word Elohim. That has the idea of the strength of God. In the beginning Elohim, God, created the heavens and the earth. Maybe it's the word Adonai. In your Bibles, again, if you look at the word Lord, and it is capital L and then lowercase O-R-D, that's the word Elohim. That's the what did I do? Did I mess this up? I messed this up. Okay. That's the word Adonai, sorry. Which has to do with the strength of God, master of God. And so maybe you look at the names of God. Now, there are 20 some compound names of God in the Bible. You know some of them. Jehovah Jireh. That is the name that is used in Genesis chapter 22, where Abraham takes Isaac. Finds the ram, the Lord will provide. Maybe it's the name Jehovah Shalom. God is our peace, exactly. And that tells us something about who our God is. Maybe it's the name Jehovah Rohi. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And we recognize who God is by His names. Maybe you think about God's power. God is indeed omnipresent. God is indeed omnipotent. God is indeed omniscient. Omnipresent everywhere all the time. Where can I flee from thy presence? The psalmist asks. Omnipotent. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? No. And God is omniscient. Jesus said that Heavenly Father knows our needs even before you and I know them and ask about them. Maybe we think about God's character. And there are a lot of ways to describe God's character. God is love, right? 1 John chapter 1. God is faithful. God is our defense. God is a very present help in time of trouble. God is our refuge and strength. And we understand something about God's character as he is described in the pages of Scripture. But this morning we want to zero in on God and we want to look at his nature. And God's nature is that God is holy. And everything else flows out from that truth. Because God is holy, God can love. Because God is holy, God is faithful. Because God is holy, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. And it all flows from his holiness, because that and indeed is the nature of God. Erickson, in his book on theology, has written this The nature of God is perfect, complete holiness. Not an arbitrary or optional matter. It is the way God is by nature. Sin is repulsive to him. He is allergic to sin. Think about that. He cannot look upon it. He is compelled to turn away from it. That is the holiness of God. Now this morning what I want to do is I want to identify Four qualities of God's holiness that help us understand something about God. And then I want to go back to Luke chapter 5 and I want to see how Peter discovered God's holiness and how that affected his life. And then next week we are going to talk about how we are to be obedient because God is holy. And then the following week we are going to talk about how we are to be disciplined because God is holy. And we're going to recognize that it is out of this holiness that God has redeemed us, not with corruptible things like silver and gold, right? It's our text, our verses. But with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. Now, in our text, verse 15 says, But as he who has called you is holy... You also be holy in all your conduct since it is written you shall be holy for I am holy. Now that quote in verse 16 was taken from the book of Leviticus. And in the book of Leviticus we have all of the feasts and we have how the people are supposed to relate to God. And we recognize that God in His wonder has this relationship with us. So what does it mean to be holy? Holy. First of all, we must recognize that holiness is his and his alone. It is exclusive to God. It is unique to him. In Exodus chapter 15, the question is asked, Who is likened to the Lord? And the answer? Nobody. There is none who is like him. Has the idea of being marked off, withdrawn from an ordinary sense? In fact, It sets him apart in such a way that there's absolutely no comparison with anyone. It's interesting to listen to athletic commentators and hear them compare different athletes with athletes of the past. This person's like Michael Jordan. Or this person's like Al Kaline. Or this person's like whoever it is. You know there is none like our God. Because holiness is his, and it is his alone. You remember when God appeared to Moses? Moses had fled Egypt, backside of the desert, and there was a burning bush. Remember that? And do you know what God told Moses to do? He said, take off your sandals, because where you're standing is holy ground. What made it holy? The presence of God. Moses had walked that path time, time, and time again. And he'd walked it in his sandals and it was perfectly good dirt to walk on. But the fact that God was there and the holiness of God was there and the nature of God was there and it was God exclusively who was there because holiness is God and God's alone. Samuel tells us, there is none holy as the Lord for there is none else beside thee. The writer of Revelation says, for you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship you for your righteous acts have been revealed. The first truth that you and I need to recognize is holiness is his, and it is his, and his alone. The second truth is this. Holiness is only absolute in God. Now, we read earlier that the nature of God is perfect, complete holiness. Not arbitrary or optional. It is the way God is by holiness nature and this absolute purity and goodness this whole righteousness this justice means that God is absolutely free from anything that is evil or wicked he is untouched by the world and God is only absolutely holy he is nothing else. you know sometimes i'm pretty good and sometimes i'm pretty bad how about you Sometimes I'm okay, and sometimes I'm not. And sometimes when I think I'm okay, Connie says I'm not. You know? God is always only absolutely holy. There is never a time that God is not perfectly righteous. Because that is who our God is. Third truth is this. These qualities are lived out in his life. Because God is absolutely holy, God is pure love. Because God is absolutely holy, God is always faithful. Because God is absolutely holy, God is a jealous God. Because God is absolutely holy, He is always our refuge and strength. His perfection is the standard for His character as given to you and to me. And it all starts with His holiness. And we see that in God. sacrifices that Israel were to bring to to God were to be without blemish and without spot. Why? Because that was the only way to have a relationship with a holy God. The priests were to be without any physical blemish. Why? Because they served before a holy God. And you and I spiritual houses holy priesthood spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to a holy god through his son jesus christ how you doing can i run a little rabbit trail here please keep your finger here in first peter chapter 1 and turn back to malachi Old Testament book. You get to Matthew; it's one back. Malachi chapter one. Last book in the Old Testament. Malachi is an interesting book. God asks his questions, so his people some penetrating questions, because it goes but. Bel- Below the facade and gets right to the heart of the matter. You in Malachi, Did you find it? I have a Bible like mine. It's on page 1017. If you don't, you're on your own. All right? Malachi chapter one, I say 17:19. Verse two, "I have loved you," says the Lord. but you say, "How have you loved us?" Is not Esau Jacob's brother, declares the Lord? Yet I have loved Jacob, but Esau have I hated. I have laid waste his hill country and left his heritage to jackals in the desert. If Edom says, we are shattered, but we will rebuild the ruins, the Lord of hosts says, they may build, but I will tear them down. Verse 5, your own eyes see this, and you shall say, great is the Lord beyond the border of Israel. Verse 6, a son honors his father and a servant his master. If them I am a father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my fear? Says the Lord of hosts you. O priests who despise my name, but you say, how have we despised your name? Here's the answer. By offering polluted food upon my altar, But you say, how have we offered, how have we polluted you? By saying that the Lord's table may be despised. When you offer blind animals in sacrifice, is that not evil? And when you offer those that are lame or sick, is that not evil? Present that to your governor. Will he accept you and show you favor, says the Lord? And now entreat the favor of God that he may be gracious to us. (laughs) Did you catch it? Two questions are asked. You love him? What kind of sacrifice is you offering to him? If it doesn't cost you anything, is it a sacrifice? What is the last time you offered something to God that didn't cost you something? Yet the text says they were going through the motions. They brought animals, the ones that weren't any good, the ones that were lame, the ones that were sick. They gave that to God. Many churches used to have missionary closets. I don't know if there was one here at Calvary Baptist Church or not. And when the missionaries would come and visit. The missionaries get taken to the closet and say, Pick out what you need. I've been in a number of missionary closets. I was not in the one here at Calvary Baptist Church, and I'm sure that the one here at Calvary Baptist Church was completely different than the one I was ever in. But it's interesting to go into missionary closets and see what the missionaries are offered. I was in one one time, and there hanging on a nice hanger was a fish net. Bathing suit. All righty there, yeah? But a lot of times we offer the missionaries the stuff we don't need anymore. Now, that's not bad. Sometimes the missionary can use the stuff we don't need anymore. We have sent, from Calvary Baptist Church, technology stuff overseas. And that's a good thing. But the question is, What do we give to God that is a real sacrifice from our lives? We serve God out of convenience most of the time. And yet God's holiness is lived out in his love, in his grace, in his mercy, in his faithfulness, in his steadfastness, in his presence. And we never get second best from God. Well, enough meddling this morning. First Peter. God's holiness is his and his alone. It is only an absolute in his life. That's, that's all there is. It is lived out in his other qualities, and God's holiness yields forth his plan. I've quoted it. We've read it. We've not been redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold. From the futility of our minds, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish. The only way that a holy God could have a relationship with a depraved people, sinners just like you and just like me, is to provide a sinless sacrifice in our stead. We find that in 2 Corinthians, right? For our sake he made him Christ to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And so from God's holiness yields the wonder that he sent his son to be the sacrifice of the world. God's holiness demanded that, and God did that. We talked about it not being a sacrifice unless it cost you something. Have you thought recently what the sacrifice of God cost him? Do you remember when Christ hung on the tree and asked this penetrating question, my God, my God, why have you forsaken tell you why because he became sin for us and god could not look on sin because god is holy and in that moment as christ not only took upon himself the sin of the world where christ actually became sin for us he became my lying i don't understand that he became my wickedness i don't understand that he became my thoughtlessness i don't understand that he became my depravity i don't get it but he did that's what the bible says and the holiness of god yielded a plan of redemption with sinful man but God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners. Catch that, will you? While we were yet sinners. While we were yet sinners. Christ died for us, became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That's the holiness of God. And I'll tell you what, once we get a glimpse of the holiness of God, it changes our perspective. The reason I started here was because if we're going to be obedient children, not fashioning ourselves according to our former lusts and our ignorance, and if we're going to be holy as he has called us to be holy in all manner of life, where it's written be, if we're going to do that, we got to know who God, we got to get a grasp of his holiness. Now I said I wanted to work this out in Peter's life. So turn to Luke chapter 5, will you please? Luke chapter 5. Now I'll remind you that we've just been in 1 Peter. Peter's the one who wrote this. And so this is the background that Peter has as he is now writing to those who are in exile, those who are struggling. Those who in a very special way are suffering for their faith. Luke chapter 5. I'm going to start in verse 4. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon. Now, let me give you the background. This is the second time that Simon, Simon Peter, is exposed to the ministry of Christ. The first time it's found back in Luke chapter 4 where, where Jesus went to Simon's house and his mother-in-law was sick. Remember that? And he healed his mother-in-law. Peter's starting to figure out some things. But Peter and the disciples are out fishing. And they're not doing very well for professional fishermen. In fact, they don't have a thing. That's not good if fishing is your livelihood. And he says to Peter, verse four, "Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch." Now let me tell you something. They're in the Sea of Galilee. You ever go to a place to fish? You know where the fishing holes are? In the Sea of Galilee, they're not in the deep. They're next to the shore. So nobody in their right mind would say, get deeper. And Peter and his fishing buddies would say, hey, that, that's, not the, that's not where the fishing holes are. And so Jesus says to Peter, you need to get out. Get out. Verse 5. And Simon answered... Master, circle that, will you please? Master, we have toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word I will let down the nets. Now what I want you to see here is not just the obedience of Peter. He, he did that. But what I want you to do is I want you to see that he addresses Jesus as Master. It's a term of respect. As I said, Luke 4 He had seen what Jesus could do in healing his mother-in-law. And now here's Jesus, and he cries out, Okay, Master, I'll, I'll do it because I respect who you are. I knew what you did. But it's kind of an arm's length kind of deal. There's nothing intimate about the word Master. It's kind of like you're a good teacher. You seem to know what you're talking about most of the time. And so I'll give it a shot because it's what you tell me to do. Did you catch that? It's it's important. Verse 6. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats So that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Now stop right there. How does Peter address Jesus the second time? Lord. And what does he say? I'm sinful. How did Peter know he was sinful? Because he recognized the holiness of Jesus Christ. Because he understood that this was more than one to be respected. This was one who was the holy sovereign to become the lamb of changed his perspective, didn't it? That wasn't the only thing it changed. Verse 9. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of the fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to him, now catch this. Do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Four things that happened to Peter. Number one, he had a new attitude. Peter, don't be afraid. Number two, he had a new day from now on. Something's going to change. Number three, you got a new purpose. You will catch men. And number four, you got a new life. They left everything and followed Jesus. And why did they do that? Because they understood the holiness of God. Until you, until I understand the holiness of God, not much is going to change in our lives. Oh, we may make some resolutions. We may. Determine some spiritual steps. But in order for us to really change, you and I have to see the holiness of God. I started by reading for you out of Isaiah chapter 6, right? Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up. And what did Isaiah say? Woe is me, for I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Why? Because he saw the holiness of God. And the seraphim took a coal from the altar and put it on his lips. That'll change you. Oh, that you and I see the holiness of God and allow that to change our